And into Luzanne they come, the home of the International Olympic Committee and the Court for Arbitration in Sport, as well as the headquarters of Philip Morris Tobacco Corporation. Very particular tax rules in this part of the world as Bob Jungel's attacks. And then, then somehow from somewhere, Wat van Aert pumps for the line. And Michael Matthews is beaten by a man who's ultimately faster than him. And Tadej Pogacar finishes in third place and takes a wholly unnecessary four-second time bonus in the general classification. And Wat van Aert is then asked by the international uh, uh, questioner, Seb Piquet, who does race radio, uh, for his thoughts on whether or not today's stage win was special because it happened in the headquarters of the, <laughs> of the International Olympic Committee. The and whether or not, in, in some ways, that was in the back of his mind and inspired him uh, to throw his bike over the line oh, with quite the fervour and the vigour that he did. He made everyone else look like a junior, Wout Van Aert. It was formulaic, Van It Aert. was. He, it was he, so obvious, though, wasn't it? But he kind of most riders when they were boxed in as much as he was oh, yeah, would just lose aspect. it. Yeah, it was like he kind of boxed in, kind of just like took foot off the gas a little bit. Literally, I noticed him stop pedaling briefly. Yeah, pull out, accelerate, win. For me, it was just apart from the win. Obviously, that was obvious actually as well. So it was all a bit <laughs> obvious. But what I'm trying to get at is Team Bike Exchange, Jaco, when they started chasing. Mm, yeah. Like what we what did you expect to happen when what? you got to the finish other than well, we second place? Try. We discussed no, this. You, if you want to try, then don't then go in the break. Make the race hard at the start. You're not going to beat Wout van Aert in an uphill sprint. Yeah. Mm. It's not happening. No. I see your point, Pete. Well, but if, it's the frustrating. Whole, if, if the Peloton thought like that every day, it would just be a blob doing nothing. No, but David, it was they'd only been racing for 30 minutes. And right. it, you know, it wasn't, it hadn't been on for an hour and a half, and it was like, okay, we tried. It was, yeah, but that's my point. I'm trying to get up. The te- we're just driving, we're, we're just setting off from Lausanne now. And by the way, um, just, just to set the scene for you a little bit at home, on our right are, uh, spe- is a spectacular ridge of alpine. Is it Les Dons du Midi? Is it Les Dons du Midi? Yeah. Well, that's where we're going now. We're going round, uh, Lac Lemoin. Um, and the other point of note, just to give you an impression of he- how and where our podcast and what's happening while our podcast is being recorded, is, is Pete's taking his shoes off. Oh, mm. I um, told him to, though. Yeah, because he's been complaining that... that Honestly, all... it was the best thing I've done in the last 10 days. Well, take your shoes off. Yeah. You were making lots of um, sensual kind of groaning noises as you were taking your shoes off. Yeah, and something's going through my head, but I'm not going to say it because I don't know if it's okay on the podcast. No, probably not. No. So I'll leave it. But um, it's a very similar feeling, I can imagine. Yeah. You can imagine. Um, <laughs> just a sense of relief anyway. But going back to Bike Exchange, <laughs> going back to Bike Exchange, Jayco, um, as they also, possibly with some of them taking their shoes and socks off on the bus now, but as they <laughs> drive away uh, looking at, oh. admiring the same extraordinary Swiss vista over Lake Lamois, they'd probably be reflecting on that and going, that wasn't a bad day, you know. That was all yeah, right. And being Ma- like Michael Matthews, overly critical. It really, really, you know, it's tough for a they rider like well. Matthews. They, they did well. They picked up a hatful of points in the World Tour, you know, point standing for a second place in in uh, the Tour de France. That all that matters to them. And Michael Matthews has been in this race, hasn't he? And mm. needed to yeah. be the whole team has. Oh, the whole team's yeah. been really, really being well. overly critical and thinking, how can you really? Yeah, how is it going to be possible to beat these? Pogaccia, well, Wout van Aert, and how, I mean, how can you do it? It isn't at the moment. And as somebody on Twitter pointed out, and they're quite right, I don't know who it was, so I can't credit you if you're listening to this, can't credit you with a point well made. 
Oh, I know. It's Kenny... But Kenny... Per- Kevin Van Mart. No, Kenny, the Scottish journalist. Um, Kenny. Oh, Kenny. Pri- 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 Kenny Pride. Pride. Is that how you pronounce it? I've never known how. Pride. I'm, I've only yeah. met Kenny a few times. Didn't know how to pronounce his second name. Yeah. Kenny uh, made the very valid point. He said, "He's just cursed, isn't he, Michael Matthews? You have to feel for him. He came, he came of age as a as a bike racer in the Peter Sagan era, mm. um, and uh, was was always, you know, not always, but mostly consistently second best to Peter Sagan over similar terrain." And now, um, towards the back end of his career, he's got White well, to contend with. If you compare him to me, who's a similar age, and we raced against each other's under 23s, could say he's lucky, and I'm cursed. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know you <laughs> in your various I, ways. I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying, Ned, but I've, he's, you know, with, what, what was he today? Third. Matthew's second. Second, 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 sorry. Yeah. Second. And he's, even if you look at his, his career, he's not results, had a terrible he's career. He's had a great career, hasn't he? He's yeah. had a terrific career. Yeah. It's just he's not. He's not been able to dominate, you know, yeah, because, but that's because he's, he can't he's dominate. Too, yeah. too he can't complete. dominate. But he's, he's met up. Well, yeah, I know. But he's no, met, but if it wasn't them, it'd be somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless it's him. Yeah, but then that means that the best isn't there. That's, that's sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's so You're always going to have to come, up, come against somebody who's like a freak. So, so he's a wonderful, he's not quite at the super freak level. He isn't. Oh, he's just know? a very, very good bike rider. From when he won the under twenty three was in Geelong. I, I mean, I'm thinking about tennis, for example. Well, no. So I was thinking about this yesterday with tennis. Gone. It's a weird sport when you can have champions win thirteen titles. Yeah, that's kind of that means there's not enough Michael Matthews to challenge them. Y- because, yes. You know, if Rafa Nadal can win thirteen straight Paris Opens or Roland Garros, Garros. Is that means that kind of there's not a big depth in the sport, is there? No, that's yeah, but not, then also only yeah. a certain number of people enter the competitions, don't yeah. they? Yeah, it's not like cycle, not enter. Uh, I mean, I, like I, get to that level. I fear but, yeah. you may be talking a colossal load of nonsense about tennis, and I fear that we're all in danger of. Uh, that's fine. I love tennis, but, um, yeah. but let's go back to <laughs> so, no, because at the same time, Federer and, Nav- and Nadal and jo- and you mentioned Nadal. Sorry, Federer and Djokovic have also strung together. Well, Djokovic is going for a seventh Wimbledon title again. That's kind of devalues the coinage a little bit. Pete Sampras when he dominated. Yeah, what does he get? Like fourteen, fifteen uh, grand slams. I have absolutely no yeah. idea. Anyway, I've just suddenly remembered the name Pete Sampras. I haven't thought about him for about twenty yeah. years. No, that's big good. fella he was. Big arms. Can we go back to shoes? Somebody good else changed. Somebody else. <laughs> somebody else took their shoes off in the race today. You could join oh, yeah, the BBC. Day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good segue. Thank you. Yeah, that was very good. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even if the cleats are the same, or you yeah, think you they're the same, they're, no. they're different. It's annoying because you haven't worn them in. They're going to yeah. be within a millimeter of being slightly too far left, too far right, up or down on the shoe. And how annoying is that, David? And also, race? he's put on a new shoe. Because there'll be a new yeah. shoe in the car. Which, even if the cleats are set up perfectly, the shoe's going to feel different. Be stiff That's why I had to stop and put the other shoe on. Yeah. You couldn't just have one new shoe on and the old shoe, even if the cleats were set up, set up like completely exactly the same. Because they'll just be annoyed. Be like, mm-hmm. lim- you'd be limping. It'd be, like having a, it'd be like having a pebble in your shoe. Like a pebble in your shoe. You've yeah. got to get it out. So he came to the... He actually stopped after that, didn't yeah. he? And then, and then got a full shoe change. <laughs> Before we get too deep into this bike race, can we just round off um, what we should have talked about uh, when we came off the, the Super Planche des Belfies yesterday mm. and how we got off the mountain? Because that was an adventure, wasn't it? We had our car parked. Gary had parked our car 22 kilometers from the finish line, which is where the race organization had told Gary to park our car. And um, so, in other words, what, about... F- 22 kilometers away. Yeah, but uh, how, far <laughs> from the, how far from the foot of the climb on the flat? Uh, 15. So, 
Yeah. Tell you what, I'll kick it off as yeah. well. No, uh, no, because we didn't. Oh, it doesn't wasn't really matter, does it? Kick. Anyway, around no, no. about 17, I think, maybe 16, 17, uh, on the flat. But we, we, in other words, we had to get off the plank. We did. Mm. And there's always a slight stress in the air, isn't there, when we're trying to get away from a mountaintop finish? Like Massively. you, Ned, you really want to get off as quickly oh, as possible. Yeah. It's like, oh, this, it's like trying to keep up with you, it's mad. Um, well, that wasn't the case like, yesterday, no, was it? So, I got but, totally flipped. No, but in, it, it's going to lead me on to, yeah. I quite like to leave in a relaxed manner. And then I was really looking forward to just chilling out, down planche above fee, steady away. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, well, we all saw Thibaut Pino. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And we lost well, our minds. Thibaut yeah. Pino on his bike, yeah. making his way down yeah. through throngs of French mm-hmm. So there are supporters. two reasons local for this. Goi- local Be- guy. Because if you, because on the evacuation from the mountaintop, even the bike racers get to put a jacket on, get yep. changed, and then they go down on their own. Yeah. And kind of, so they just get through Often the Often with a whistle. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, yeah. that's what US Postal started that. Yeah. Um, and so Pete and I saw him and we're like, go, follow a pro, because yep. they get room, they get through everything, and... Not just a pro, the local pro. The local, local pro. Yeah. And we were squeezing through little buses and trucks, initial gaps. And then he almost got knocked over by a policeman who tried to stop him. And an ASO official had to say, no, no, no. It's Thibaut Pino. It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Pete and I were like, go. And we got through. And you couldn't. Well, I was properly stopped by a big burly cop yeah. who was stopping everyone. They were stopping all the cyclists from going down before a certain number of vehicles, accredited vehicles, had been let down. And I swear there were... I, I mean, thousands of cyclists up there, all in this pen, being held back. And it was starting... I mean, I was kind of stuck there for a bit. I, can, mm. I thought you probably at the bottom already. And it was starting to get a little bit mutinous. And mm. I asked repeated different cops. I said, can I... You know, show them my accreditation. Can I go? Because I'm just trying to work. I'm trying to get out. And eventually, a third cop said, yeah, you've always been allowed to. And I went, well, fuck, uh-huh. whatever. <laughs> and so then I, then I, I went... Just after Wat van Aert and Jonas Vingegaard had oh, made their what? way through the, and I thought, I ain't for that's not, those, those are no. not wheels I'm going to try and follow <laughs> right, on my Brompton. Um, but then, um, so I was kind of setting my own pace, just weaving through the people like that. Oh, it's going all right. And uh, then Bardet came past me with his whistle, but not significantly faster than me because there were a lot of obstacles on the road. Mm-hmm. So then I, I kind of briefly got on on Bardet's wheel, huh. but I hadn't realised that you uh, were having a quite an adventure with Thibaut. Yeah, Pino. Pete, tell us about. Our descent. It was just never ending. There were mm. so many close calls as well. Because he was obviously <laughs> on disc brakes. Right. Even if I was on the same bike with normal brakes, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to stop as quick. But I was on a Brompton, which is actually, believe it or not, pretty epic at going downhill on. Feels great. Uh, you just, I, yeah. I, I, I think so. I feel like you can throw your weight around on it easily. Okay. Brilliant. Loved it. It's really good fun. Yeah. Um, so we, I just was not losing his wheel. It was like a sprint finish with 10k to go. And nobody except for David, who was my teammate, was allowed on his wheel. Yeah, yeah. This, we were there. It got good to the, work, guys. Got and, and Pete, and we ended up feeling like his his bodyguards. Yeah, because we were behind him with our Brompton bells going ding 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 ding, clearing people out the way for him. He never once looked behind, did he, Pete? I was no. disappointed by that because it must have been incredibly annoying. He must have known as well. Thibaut Pino, who's come to the Tour de France full of hope of getting stage wins, goes to his local climb where he used to have this, have this massive, crushingly disappointing climb. Is in a dungeon of despair, and then he's got you two ringing your Brompton bells, sat on his wheel. Yeah, it was good. And I tell you what, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't make it off. Yeah, we were helping him. He just didn't know it. And, and then, also, no, also, no, no. I'm just trying to say when and Pete was kind of having these break moments. He was kind of learning how to descend on the on the Brompton. Right. And uh, he was like, "Whoa." We don't break as fast, do we? And yeah. kind of coming out quite close. And you were really excited, Pete. 
you were fanboying. I well that, and I I really genuinely felt like I was a little bit back in a race again. Yeah. To the point where I got that it, that into it. Well, I I did feel like I was in a race that a guy tried to come up on my right, and I basically checked him. Yeah. Did so you, I did you? Do you know like in a devil how you block someone in so they yeah. can't get out to yeah. get yeah. around you in a sprint. Basically, he had to break or he Crash. would have gone into a car. Yeah. And then, but I didn't realize I was doing it because I was in like the race zone. Yeah. You know? Like I was like, <laughs> yeah. this thing had taken over me mentally. So then me and David are like still in the race zone, in the convoy, behind the oh, total energy boss, losing yeah. our minds. Never, like, I felt like I was 14 again. Yeah. Insane. Great. David getting time trial mode. I'm on his wheel. I was like getting heat stroke. I was in these big cargo pants. It was almost 30 <laughs> degrees. Really dehydrated. You were telling me to slow down. I was like, that's enough. Let's just relax. We'll get to the car. Just chill out. Then... This guy who I checked came up to me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely oh, yeah. raging. Was he? Hey, yeah. hey. It's, he was Dutch. Hey, we're not doing a race there. It's not a race there. And I was like, well. It is kind of. Well, and also, by the fact that you just said to said that to me, makes me feel like I'm even more in a race. Yeah. you. That's what you said. Yeah. Like because back, it, in, back in, in the peloton race. when someone has a go, yeah. go at you. And he was right. like, oh, do you have, break, you have breaks there? And I was like, yeah, do you? Yeah. Oh. oh yeah, it was proper. Mm, yeah, he got a bit heated. Very see heated. how he got into trouble. But there was a one moment which you missed out there. So we were drafting the Total Energy bus because we felt like we were back in kind of <laughs> that mode and jumping between cars and having fun. Yeah, and we were behind Total Energy. Then suddenly Peter clicked. Pete clicked. Oh, Peter will be on the bus, <laughs> and so he overtakes the bus when it slows down and goes up right. Like sprints up as hard as he can with his parachute bag on. Oh yeah, a great big bag, bag like a pa- yeah. and goes up to the driver's window and is literally peering in the di- driver's window as if he's going to see Peter Sagan. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought they might see me out the blacked out windows because we can't yeah. see him, but they can see out. Mm. Yeah. 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 It was good. And then what was great because we met Gaza. Yeah. Where he parked the car twenty two k's away from the finish in Ranchon. And we stopped in a cafe and we walked in and it was like a Thibaut Pinot museum. Literally. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. Yeah. Lots of yeah. framed little bits of memorabilia yeah. and signatures. Yeah. yeah. And then Ned turned up and then uh, Nicholas Roach turned up. Yeah. 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 I had a, well, you, because you dropped me on the climb and I thought, they're, they're, wait, they're wait at the bottom. They're bound to have waited at the bottom for me so that I don't have to do the time we trial on my own. We made a decision not to. Did you? Yeah. Because when, convo- when we were in the convoy, yeah. we were like, we can't miss this. Yeah. We had true. to take the convoy. So I took, yeah, yeah. true, true. Yeah. And what was great about the convoy as well is um, the directors in the team cars were acting as if we were in the convoy. So yeah. if we, when we were coming into corners, they were like beeping they're, they're, and turning left so yeah, we they could were. carry our speed and go so past they, it. Like so us. good, man. They're so like to it because they, they, they could obviously recognize that we were experienced. And they've been doing pros. it all day. So they're in well, that mode, you know. Because of your souplesse and poise. Obviously. Just to, yeah, 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 they yeah, just pedal through the way we're riding. Yeah. Well, we thought they did. <laughs> <laughs> we had a moment there. You had a moment. We brought this up last night. It was um, seeing some of the cars go by in the teams and you think they have no idea. Because Cofferty's came by. Yeah. And I actually thought, oh, you have no idea that yeah. kind of I was there right at the beginning with your team and yeah. spent well, so many years and was so invested in. Well, it's like when you, you know, go back to the school you, that you went to sort of many, many years later and you realize there's no one left. Nobody there, cares. No one cares. You're gone. Yeah. yeah. That's life. So, yeah. Just a memory. That's yeah. life. Anyway, back to the race. So that's what happened to um, Roma Bade. He needed to sh- change his shoes, which I think was the key moment of today's stage. <laughs> yes. It was. Well, the big crash, well, which caused that. The, which was, caused the shoe damage. That was so Tour de France, wasn't it? That crash. Random. Everyone Nervy. relaxes. Yeah. Yeah. Movie, you know, movie star it was a It was a movie star <laughs> rider that did it. Yeah. A bit of he switched. He did a check yeah. like you did, but really quite an aggressive I, one. Yeah. And, and caused another DSM rider, ripple effect two riders down, and, and Kevin Van Mart slapped down so hard. Yeah. 
broke his collarbone, I think. Oh. Probably. And he's going really well as well. It's a real shame for Kevin Vermarka. But Nairo oh. had nowhere to go when Vermarka um, yeah. dropped in front of him and he just went... Double hand down. Risky. Yeah. And then, and it, yeah, put both hands out. Yeah. Wrists yeah. and palms first. It was a big one for And Nairo. amazingly, it looked completely fine. He's right up there in the final, yeah. wasn't he? Right up there in the final. So, um, dodged a bullet there. And meanwhile, Pogacar came down as Yeah, well. his softest ever crash, apparently. Yeah, according to him, it did look soft. And he confirmed mm. that absolutely mm. no damage is done to Pogacar. But then there were riders on both sides of the road just flying off into the ditch. Oh, yeah, go, well, the go, one go on the right. right. David Goddu David ended yeah. up like... Upside down with his legs sticking out of the ditch. <laughs> it, was yeah. quite, it was quite. It was quite comedic, mm. but it was bad for Ben O'Connor. He came off the worst. Mm. I think I, yeah. I've got a feeling he hit the same injury that he um, sustained yeah. in stage two. And he he really gave indications of that on camera, through. didn't he? Yeah, it's this. It's this. His left hip. Yeah, um, that's causing him all this pain. But you know what I found interesting? Amazing. About that? The sun's beginning to get a bit lower mm. of the lake. Just sorry, David. Oh, no, it's, it's just been... breathtaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I found interesting. Not about a big it... fan of Switzerland, actually. But anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, there were three riders off the front. The break was had kind of formed at this point. The peloton yeah. had been relatively relaxed, and but the yellow jersey went down, and it started kicking off again at the front, and no one cared. It was yeah. That's that was a moment where it, the it's perfectly advisable for somebody to go up and say time out. Yeah, we're not doing the break's gone. Nothing's happening. Happened a bit like that, didn't it? I mean, Roe was at the front because Thomas was off trying, the back. but then the attack sort of started going. There was yeah. no like clear. Yeah, the a, old school was... moment where somebody rolls up the front, goes up the handlebars, and tees it and says, "Yellow jersey's behind." Yeah, Cancellara style or whatever. Cancellara yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like Pierre Roland, wasn't it, in 2013? Oh yeah, that was. Chris Froome was having a toilet break on the Mont stage. Naughty. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get worse than that. And then that was about it, really. But it wasn't the, nowhere near as bad as that. <laughs> That's what I was trying yeah. to say. So the then, bro- but then, but then the breakaway did their breakaway thing, the 2022 breakaway thing. Mm-hmm. The, the new, the new. Well, it's not new, is it? It's just, it's just being honed and finessed and really yeah. thought through. And it's, you know. It's and r- your favourite rider was curating it, Mattia Catania. Yeah, had a good ride today. Yeah. Yeah. Second yeah. favourite rider, Fred. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And Frederick Frisson, who I checked my notes today. And to my astonishment, I can't remember where I'd sourced this information from. I think a, um, a Flemish newspaper. I checked my notes. But what do I know about Frederick Frisson? His father was a director sportif and a, I think former Hermann Frisson stage winner at the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, f- more interesting than that, I thought that Frederick Frisson um, has a pet pig called Pipki that he takes for a walk, a baby <sighs> pig. I love that. On a lead. <laughs> yeah. We've got some good facts about um, Catania though, today. Yeah. Well, we had... Um, we had a visitor in our commentary booth with whom I work at the uh, Giro d'Italia. And she's great because she used to race and she knows she's really well connected in the Italian scene. So I knew a little bit about Catania, but I said to her during commercial break, what else can you find out about Catania? And one of the facts that we didn't actually manage to get on air, David, was that he's, he's a big fan of dogs. He's a dog. He's a dog lover. He has dogs. And um, Oh, yeah. So this was off air when you were talking yeah, about dogs but and cats. I, yeah. That was brilliant. That was the highlight of my day, actually. That was segment it? when... Wow, it was you've had a lame day. No, it was really funny. Right. When you were talking about, um, <laughs> what can we talk about? And yeah. yeah, dogs definitely doesn't like cats. <laughs> Honestly, if you could record some of that, it would be gold. Well, he likes, likes he's, cars. He's got a Weimarama. Yeah. He's got a Weimarama, which is one of those sleek-looking grey Pointer dogs. with bright blue eyes. Probably, yeah. probably about 10 grand a pop. Um, but doesn't like cats, which you decided was a pro-cycling sort of thing. I felt like that's a very pro-cycling thing, not to what, like cats. Pro-cyclists don't like cats. Probably animals, generally. Can you, can you think of a pro-cycler that likes cats? I can't. I don't really, don't really go to pro-cyclist houses and, and find animals. True. I've got a story about a dog I used to own. 
yeah. uh, called Gus. So we were, it was the early days of mine and Lauren's courtship. Yeah. Well, you could not that early, but early enough. So we had Axel, we already had yep. Grayson, yep. and we decided to get um, oh, so a, a bit further than courtship. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, a bit, yeah, bit yeah, after yeah. that. Yeah. A golden Labrador retriever. Nice. You know, setting up the family like you do, family yeah. dog. Yeah. And <laughs> it was, Axel was one. It was just too... I was away all the time. It was just too much. These type of dogs need big, long walks. Yeah. And the breaking point was when I would get up for training before Lauren, before any of the kids, and I'd walk downstairs, and we didn't have even enough time, really, to train it properly. And there would just be the biggest poo you've ever seen <laughs> bang in the middle on the, of the kitchen floor. Oh. And I'm really stressed about these stupid zone-free efforts I've got to do in yeah. four hours and yeah. all this. And I look at it, I'm thinking, oh, this isn't this a great way to start my day? Then he's going absolute bananas, barking his head off, wanting to feed, and I'm oh, just no. stressed about making a porridge and putting bananas in it and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Oh, what happened and to Gus then? Well, we found a really nice um, family who lived on a farm and um, found him a new home, but we nice, just didn't nice. have time for him, basically. Dogs are hard work. But, well, you, you don't realise, do you? My wife looks after our dogs, and it's just never-ending. Yeah. yeah. Well, those, those podcast listeners who might remember mm. our Girona special, oh, yeah. Never Straight Far Girona special, go back and find that. Yeah. And you'll get the story of Guinness, the rescue dog. Yeah. Um, he's amazing. He's fond of humans. He loved you. Loved me a lot. A lot. <laughs> I think yeah. too much. I think it was therapeutic for you. I don't. Okay. <laughs> but, um... No, I love Guinness. Yeah. He's not as much as Guinness loved me, quite. No, so he's great. So we can now see... That's the Le Dom du Midi. Oh, yeah. Those very sharp, toothy-like. Yeah. That means that the teeth of midday, Pete. Yeah. Those mountains over there. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Just Beautiful. behind the um, electricity pylons and the McDonald's sign. Yeah. Yeah, those ones. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Edvig van Hoydonk's nephew did a most amazing ride today. Nathan. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was he was brutally strong, wasn't he? God, he really it was. was incredible. So, yeah. you just had Jumbo Visma and uh, Bike Exchange that decided they were going to ride the stage and never let the gap get over three minutes, did yeah. they? One rider I didn't notice as much as I have done in previous stages was Christophe Laporte. In the final? Yeah. Was he needed? Oh, uh, I see, in the I final. Mean, uh, it's too hard, that first kicker limited, at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. It'd be too hard for There him. weren't any other Laportean kind of riders But you're right, he didn't set anything true. up, did he? Yeah. He didn't set anything up. Yeah. Huh. He was there in the intermediate sprint, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. Taking yeah. points away from rivals and all that sort of thing, which Van Aert has basically killed stuff dead. <laughs> the one competition yeah. we thought, that'll go all the way to Paris. Absolutely <laughs> dead after stage eight. <laughs> 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 Quite unexpectedly, really. But, um, Matthew Vanderpool showed a glimmer. Yeah, today. it was only a glimmer. Wasn't one kilometre. Yeah. By, by Vanderpool's standards. Yeah. But he's trying. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, the other thing I was going to say about Nathan Van Hoydonk, David, is mm. he started off his career at BMC, where he was a stagiaire and then taken on at World Tour level. And his early development was arrested um, temporarily at least because he was one of those many many riders who in whom they discovered a heart arrhythmia oh yeah that and happens he had, often and he yeah. had a heart surgery to correct it all oh wow yeah so yeah. I think um, well uh, Paddy Bevin mm-hmm. being another case in point so the, you know the, the legacy so of that, that doesn't affect that's, that's the know. legacy of the doping generation when we started to introduce um, uh, biological passports and I think around late 90s we had to do medical tests because in the 1990s with EPO, the, the it, people were being killed in cross-country skiing mm. as an amateur cyclist, and it was because of heart failure, Yeah, uh, because your blood would get too thick. But we then had to go through um, annual uh, heart checks, full ECGs, everything, yep. to check our hearts, and also we'd be doing regular blood tests. But it's actually ended up being, for, for this generation that's 
that I believe is a, is a fundamentally anti-doping culture and it's a total minority that are doping, it's actually a benefit because it does help yeah. because we're doing, we do checks thanks to that, uh, the, the evil dark times that is actually benefit um, this new generation. So, yeah, that was my bit on that. And is that why, David, when I started off covering the Tour de France in 2003, for a few years mm-hmm. remaining, um, on the eve of the race, in fact, for the two days, check. the medical checks, yeah. every single rider would have to go to the permanence and have an ECG mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. I don't know what no, else. No, it wasn't easy. It was a, 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 at that point, I think it actually become almost a, a media sort event. of event. Yeah. Like, so like, show, like, like a little bit You know, show. go horse racing and they kind of walk the horses and around. Because like yeah. yeah. you go in there with all media and all they're doing is like a stethoscope and just listening to your heart, yeah. weighing you. Oh, so so it's it completely bit. ceremonial. Okay. But a part of the kind of pre-Tour de France build-up yeah, was so seeing all these athletes laying on these tables yeah. with their shirts off with a That's stethoscope on their chest. Yeah. The image I have pre-Tour is Armstrong and Rorick with the... Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, it was part of the gig around about that era. And um, I think our listeners might be interested in knowing that, that you know, this is nostalgia for the TV viewer. Um, yeah. Matt Rendell, for two days, solidly, because it took two days to get the entire peloton through, um, learn the lead-up to the Tour de France, used to be posted with a cameraman and a chair outside the room in which the riders were having huh. their medicals. Um, so that on their exit, <laughs> they, were, they were vulnerable to being yeah. um, grabbed by huh. Rendalero, uh, told uh, to sit down, interviewed oh, wow. in, in whatever language was their native language. And back in those days, not that many riders spoke English. You're not that, you're a good rider. Um, a good, good English, spoke good English. And Rendell speaks them all. Mm. He even had a crack at languages. He doesn't speak like German, which was hilarious. Mm. But literally, every single rider was just ambushed and told to sit down. And the fa- <laughs> they were asked a bunch of questions that might be relevant for features later on in the race. But actually, the reason that Rendell was sent to do it was to get every rider to look at the camera and say roughly you're watching the Tour de France on ITV oh brilliant and my name is Manuel Beltran huh. and that was completely and, fine and, and, and it was completely fine and they <laughs> used to run in and out of every commercial break there used to be someone would pop up hello I'm Kim Kirshen you're watching the Tour de France on ITV and oh, that's look. another nostalgic thing that yeah. I remember yeah, you there you go. You yeah, remember you, watching it, on the telly? Yeah, literally that, yeah. So when they abandoned it, doing the riders' medicals, that was no longer possible. It's crazy what oh, sticks wow. with you at that age. But, the, but yeah. my favourite bit about that was watching Rendalero in action because hmm. he knows his riders. My God, he knows the peloton extremely well. Yeah. Um, and yet, there are always going to be a few teams where you're a little bit uncertain about you okay. know, some yeah. of the younger riders. And th- out they'd come, not on their bikes, which makes it even harder because they don't look like what they look like because hmm. they're not on their bikes. And seeing him try... Uh, and guess who it was mm-hmm. and like you know occasionally get it wrong ah oh, Giuseppe uh, Davide <laughs> yeah Giuseppe yeah Davide uh, Davide <laughs> Davide yeah. anyway Bonjour mm. where were we in the race so the guys three riders so, three riders so, they, the so we had a moment where we saw um, we heard on the international feed which is the, the audio we get to listen to of the race Catania say to um, Frisson uh, after the climbs full gas full gas eh? full gas eh? on the wrong accent full gas eh? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, Catania. Catania. From Bergamo. Likes Weimaramas. And not cats and cars. <laughs> no. Likes dogs. Yeah. We started, we, then we started, we started adding lots of things that we, are not are just made up about him. Like if mm. he was asked what his favourite food would be. Yeah, this, mm. is what was so, this is what I was what, cracking it, up pasta. at. Pasta. Brilliant. It's pasta. No, it was, what, David was like every pro cyclist. Like, yeah. What, what's your favourite place to visit? <laughs> Italy. 
<laughs> oh no, yeah. What do you, um, yeah, I love uh, espresso, but not after eleven forty-five. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, cappuccino, cappuccino, cappuccino not. not. Yeah. Oh, and then you nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it when I said and your favourite music, and you said for Catania, he's got these big tattoos yeah, on his right yeah. arm. He said or his left arm. You said. What did you say? Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Not because Absolutely it's, spot on. Because it's great. Because Foo Fighters is perfect for an Italian who's a bit of a... Rogue. Rogue. Because it, it's not actually <laughs> it's indie. Little, yeah. It's not indie or kind of unknown. Mainstream indie. Mainstream But in indie. Italy, that plays as well edgy. Yeah. Super edgy. See, I can yeah. imagine <laughs> Catania is the type of Italian. <laughs> yeah. and, in, and I know this because I go there quite often um, to be into his house music and go to Ibiza in the off-season. So who you who do you go if you were answering no on behalf will, of no Mattia one will Catania. know it but there's a there's a famous Italian DJ called Marco Carola so uh, and they always stand there and go Marco da 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 and they like, Forza Marco Forza Marco and I can imagine him there and they're all really annoying and I can just imagine him yeah I'd buy that as well because that's also very edgy you know in yeah. Italy yeah yeah mm-hmm. I'd buy that um so the, the, anyway and Fred Wright yeah. And so then they slowed yeah. down slightly. They played a very clever game, which you were uh, referencing earlier, where, where they know it's a futile exercise because the teams that want to win the stage are hunting them down. They're they not, started they're riding. Three minutes. At 2.45, they started yeah. riding. Yeah. And so they just slowed down. And they went over the hardest section of the race, which was about 60 Ks, and took their foot completely off the gas. Yep. And then when they got to the final big descent, just going over the top, just before, and this was a terrible mistake Catania made. I love this. Well, he, he, you know, forgetting for a moment that he's got a television camera 10 metres in front of him that's showing it in quite clearly what he's up to. He looks at the others, he takes his right hand off his handlebars and he does the motorbike throttle gesture <laughs> like that. Those images then beamed simultaneously into every team director's car. Go, oh, hang <laughs> on, <laughs> hang on. What are they doing at the front? Yeah. And then they went, Boom, instantaneously, they, they kind of started yeah. riding 15 kilometers yeah. an hour faster. And instantaneously, Luke Durbridge replaced Chris Ewell Jensen oh, yeah. and yeah. started hammering. Mate, 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 Durbo, get up the front. I got full gas. <laughs> <laughs> and he made the difference, didn't he? Durbridge yeah, is a huge ride from him. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, Frisson was dropped. And then eventually, um, as the gap narrowed and they got close to the climb, old uh, Mattia Catania was dropped. And Fred Wright was the last man standing. And yeah. chapeau to Tim Kenyuk, yes. his coach, who can take 2% of the credit. Nin- 98% of the credit goes... To- no, actually, wait a minute. I'm going to say this differently. 94% of the remaining credit, leaving another 4% to a portion, um, goes to Fred Wright for a really, really good ride. And How much does forget- his parents get? Well, this is the remaining 4%. Okay. Uh. I'll give 2% to Phil, 2% to Becca, who I know listen to the podcast. Maybe you should maybe give like 20% to genetics. Well, that's the... That's their. That's yeah, but that's their. Oh, that's they them. possess that's them. Them. That's so, them. Okay, exactly. got you. Yeah, okay. So and also, well, you know, the fact yeah. that they nature nurture. But we were laughing because I met Phil and um, Becca a couple of days ago in Longwee, and we were laughing about the, the the interview that Fred Wright might give if he ever wins a Tour de France <laughs> stage, and he came pretty close today. Um, I loved remember? his interview today, by the way. I haven't seen it. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. it. Yeah, it was I can't believe he's getting more super just, smart kid. Because really. we, we've talked about him, haven't we? He, he flies under the radar a bit. Mm. Yeah, and partly because he's always great. been. He's oh. suffered in comparison with Ethan Hayter, who's achieved so much, and they are, their careers have been parallel to this date. Um, but but um, yeah, we were laughing. You remember Eve Lampart's interview? I'm just yeah. a farmer's son from Belgium, mm-hmm. and here I am. Well, um, Becca is a leading casting director, and Phil's an actor, so Fred would have to say. I'm just a humble casting director's son <laughs> from the south from, of London. From south of London. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so my, I asked my brother for some information on him um, just before I was going to commentary. Uh, coached him, yeah. 
who also works for Surpass.cc. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, um, everyone can have this opportunity. Well, there we go. So, yeah, he's basically just really short. He said, really nice guy. Really does, short? I mean, no, message. in terms of the message. Oh, the message is short. No, I was <laughs> going to say, Fred's quite tall. <laughs> um, really nice guy, does the track, <laughs> couldn't get a better athlete to train, hard as nails, does everything you ask. That's nice. Um, and then he says, he goes on as a bit more information. Didn't have the best results as an amateur. Not everyone was after him, but with us is key to our classics team and supporting Grand Tours. He just soaks everything up. Never injured, which is a, this is key to being a good professional. Rolf Sorensen. When you race so much. Mm. Never injured and never gets ill. Um, he yeah. just soaks everything up. Well, today he soaked up. It was incredible. Yeah, kind of the way he rode because to do to have matched Catania, who was on a mission, and we saw the stats. Catania had done fifty five percent of the work, and yeah, and forty five percent had been Fred. But that's normal in that situation because Catania was driving. He's older. He's the the bigger rider. But that also goes to show a little bit of wiliness from Fred, right? Because he rode Catania off the wheel in the final. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of and to have and Pete, you know this. It, although he was caught in the final climb, to still be going up that climb as fast as he was, oh, yeah. was incredible. Well, he After the he day out he'd really had. S- he didn't really slow down, as did he? It no. was just that the peloton were just, yeah. it was 4K to go, ride. and yeah, it was mm. incredible. Wonderful experience it, for him. Yeah, he's got so, I hate to use the word potential, because he's already delivering in some ways, isn't he? But yeah. he showed today what he's capable of. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, a great a great ride from Fred. And just finally, um, I love Phil's, Phil's story about buying um, the stickers, you know, the Panini cycling stickers oh, for, the world, for the World Tour riders. Yeah. So excited that his son is in his second Tour de France. He went out and just before Tour de France got underway, he bought 35 um, packets of stickers in the hope that, because he sort of said, the problem is I'm going to open them. I'm going to have like 24 Watt Van Arts and I'm still oh, going to yeah. be waiting for a Fred. <laughs> Like that, and he opened the first packet, and he no found Fred. Yeah. <laughs> what are the chances? Every World Tour rider is in it, I think. God. And and um and then he had thirty four spare. Yeah. But then he didn't. He just opened them all because he thought maybe I'll find a second Fred. Let's but yeah. to date, he hasn't found a second Fred. He right. was still at, when I saw him in Longwood. He was still opening stickers. He'd just been to, bought another ten packs, <laughs> and he allowed me to open a couple. And I got um I got Thomas again. Did but, you? But yeah, Phil wasn't Phil Wright wasn't interested. Just said, "Here, you can have him." So it's only the Tour de France. Right, but how do they do that? Because that's before. It's World Tour. A World oh, Tour rider. Okay. World oh, Tour so rider. Oh, so what, what about Paddy? Well, I'm not investing quite as much as Phil Wright has invested. There's hundreds of Have you asked him if he had Paddy Bevan? Oh, that's true. That's 350 Phil, cards. If you're listening to this podcast, um, have you got Paddy Bevan? Um, I'll swap you the Thomas de Gent that you gave me um, to see if I can have Paddy Bevan. Stick on your computer. Yeah, I will. And then what happened? So, um, Fred Wright then, got caught. Yeah, and then Yumbo, uh, we had kind of a, a little quite furious run-in. GC teams took over, came into the climb. UAE, who'd been there all day, had disappeared, then came back, and Micah took control. Pogacar did not leave the first three riders. Yeah. He was incredible, like well, usual. Micah is the only domestique who's on form. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Brandon McNulty's going bad, but he's not going great. No. And Björg was, Björg was dropped. Is definitely not on form. On he a stage she, he or she, I don't think, is going to finish this race. Ooh, Langen's gone. Ho- uh, by the oh, way, oh yeah, we just forgot to mention that Langen is how you pronounce. Le- it's not Langen. Langen um, has gone home with COVID, who's vital to their successes. Mm. I think. Um, who have I missed? George Bennett's a bit. Mm. He's either really good or not quite so good. And, and Kreisweik's fine, but he's. You just get a sense he's slightly on the descending spiral of yeah, you know. Bit, yeah. Sepp's being a bit kind of well. He's George had, yesterday. To be fair, 
We haven't seen anything from Sepp yet. He's not been no. called into action. I no, he hasn't been called into action. Great point, because right. I think they're employing the same tactics that Ineos or Sky back in the day did. With the Castroviejo thing. When it's him, not an important stage, let him, let him sit up and yeah. recover. Because um, he was right there yesterday. Mm. Look at that, by the way. Good point. I can't describe it. My powers of description. So we're on our way to Chatel. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. yeah. This is my, my, my father-in-law has a chalet about six k's from here. Good on him. Yeah. Lucky old him. This is where he grew up. That's amazing. So it's a really elegant um, church spire with a golden cockerel on the top just glinting, glinting in the, uh, uh, the sun that's getting ever lower over these jagged peaks. And we're now climbing away from the lake and up into the mountains uh, towards Chateau. Um, so Brandon McNulty tried to, well, he did. He made his way up the side of this bunch. Mike almost said, don't, I got this, thinking McNulty could w- take could over. Could then take over. Yeah. Um, so Micah stayed on the front. McNulty slotted in second wheel. P- Pogaccia in third wheel. And then poof, McNulty's gone. Yeah. And it's always going to happen. Micah turns around and goes, well, oh. Again. So then Micah Again. Has, Micah's, oh, amazing ride from Patrick Conrad. Oh, that yeah, was phenomenal. But it's amazing, but he had to do that every day, like all the other guys. Do you know there. Patrick? Was he on the team yeah. when you were on the team? Yeah. He's a nice um, guy. Yeah. Is he Austrian or German? Austrian. He's Austrian. Austrian. He's it's been quite Austrian un- champ. Like, I know. It's, it's quite times. unusual to see him in his regular team. It, kit, I thought it? that yeah. today. But yeah. what I will say about uh, this is classic what um, Rafa Micah did. You, when someone comes up like that, like a teammate, David, yeah. and they want to go in the front, it's like the worst thing ever, isn't it? Because then you're not in control of the pace. Yeah, it's true. And you're already you don't want to get line. dropped by them. Yeah. It's almost like you prefer to do not as a, not as a good as a job. Um, what am I trying to explain? No, I know exactly what you're trying to explain. Because once, ex- you, you, once you go, he can only point, do what he can do at that point, right? Well, you can't. Well, you're no longer yeah. controlling your pace. It's often yeah. why you'll see riders who've been in the front all day at the peloton on the front of the peloton. It's, it speeds up just before they pipe because all of a sudden they've lost control of pacing. Yeah, because they're at their absolute limit and beyond it. And it's just I've just got one speed now, and it's this or I stop. Yeah, and then you just hope. And I guess it was hope beyond hope for Micah. I. I'm, I'm at my speed now. There's no point in you coming in front of me because yeah. I'm not going to recover. I think I, I've already the, too deep and in. And the point I'm trying to get at is, tactically, it would have been better for him to let McNulty go. And slow it down slightly. And do his thing. Yeah. Because Micah was just better than him. But that's the last thing you want to do it yeah. when you're in that position, isn't it? Yeah, at that point, it's so much psychological. So clo- yeah, yeah. So and you've got an empty road in front of you, yeah. as you say, because then you are in control. So in the Tour de France, you're on the front within 3k to go. It's... It's all yeah. about you, isn't it? You'll also have riders sometimes. Uh, I've known riders who are on bad days, and it's, and they'll say, "Can I ride?" Oh, I've done this so many times. Yeah, because it's better to be on the front and yeah. then, feeling in control rather than at the back. And just then like, you start having the best day of your life. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so psychological. Yeah. There you go. Then you get to the hotel afterwards, and everyone's like, "Whoa, that oh. was amazing!" And it's, but you spent an hour of the race thinking, so "I'm stopping today." But it's isn't that sober. isn't that the classic? Are you the hammer or are you the nail? Yeah. Thing. If you if you're meeting it out, if you're, you know, isn't that it? Ultimately, yeah. I did this in the passive tour, and active. tour of Yorkshire one year. I felt really awful. So I said, oh, Luke, I'll do the really early part of riding. And it was the day I got, like, the combativity jersey photo by the public because there was, like, five people left at the end. Mm. Was it one of mine's over-the-top down so into like Scarborough? That was it one, one of yeah, yeah, Scarborough, yeah. yeah. Buckler, yeah. I think, yeah. was oh, there. They were cool always crazy, those stages. Yeah. Yeah. They were always insane. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. This is the climb for tomorrow, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. This is the finish climb. Oh right, yeah, we're driving off it right now. Tell us about it. It's um, it's a big road. It's kind of like a it's British Alps. A road. It's oh, alpine. This is steep. Yeah, it's it's deceptively steep because it's so wide. Yeah, 
There's a pro cycling stats. I camping should know van. this because I've done the team sky camps here. Yeah. With yeah. Oh, look, it flattens out a bit here. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it kind of starts off quite gradual. Then we're in this. On the map, it looks like these real zigzag switchbacks. But actually, now we're doing it. There, it's in very much an alpine, well, big main road up to a ski resort. Pidders told Daniel that oh, he, yeah. he doesn't think it'll be that selective this climb and that it's well, almost borderline not a summit finish doesn't look like it will be no. um, you can save a lot on the wheels can't you yeah, yeah. So there's no wind here it's just reduced, surrounded by mountains a, a reduced group sprint of climbers I wonder who might win that mm. oh. <laughs> so today yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well there we go and yeah. in the end uh, well we know what happened in the end don't we yeah, because I didn't, we do. yeah. and that was it there were no other scoops ready no. Um, there was. Out on the side of maybe the we should just briefly to finish talk about the Caborcier Church that we didn't see. Yeah, it was a shame. So the oh, what's the name of the, the place? Ranchon. Thank you. Why can't I remember that? I just can't remember. Don't know. The Ranchon Chapelle by um, Corbusier is a masterpiece that David has written about, haven't you? You wrote a I blog have, about yeah. it in 2017. Yeah. Last time we visit, we were able to visit it. Um, but unfortunately, we rode up there with Bob Roll. The American commentator yesterday morning, and it Legend. was and it was closed. Yeah, um, and it's uh, it's being renovated at the moment. But so it was like, we did it was our second Tour de France, and we were in this incredibly quirky, very rare hotel for us at the Tour de France, where it was beautiful, beautiful. hotel. Yeah, and it was just us. Yeah, and yeah, it was just in the us. morning. We kind of got up and we had the Bromptons, and we were getting into this phase of going on our little adventures. Yeah, and I was speaking to the one of the proprietors, and. Uh, he was showing me around and then he pointed out and he said uh, uh, oh this he said oh, we have a lot of American tourists here and I was like oh that's weird why, why? he says oh they come to see the Caborcier church and uh-huh. I was like what what's that what's that I didn't even know he'd done a church yeah and uh, and we went out to the back of the house and he pointed and it was at the top of a hill and I was like Ned we've got to go yep and we got up there and it's it's a functioning nunnery yep and we were too, and we were too early, weren't too we? Too early. But the nuns let us in. They let us in, and we had the whole place to ourselves for half an hour. Yeah, it was special. And we just split off and and walked around, and yeah, it was the most magical experience. But then you try and recreate those little, which is yeah. exactly what we did yesterday. And yeah. of course, it's not the same. And in this case, it was really not the same because it was closed. And yeah. and we tried to convince the nuns again. She had no, anyway, she she didn't care. She said, no, sorry, no. And you pulled the whole. But we were working on the Tour de France. I did. Yeah. And that didn't even work. Nothing. And okay. I thought nuns were big into their cycling yeah. in Vosges, but apparently not. It's very disappointing. Um, just oh, yeah. while we're talking about buildings and culture, there was very early on in the in the commentary today, there was an aerial shot um, just as we left Dol in the Jura of an extraordinary building that, to my knowledge, and bear in mind this is the 20th tour, I can't remember seeing from the air before, although we must have done, um, the Royal Salt Works of Arc et Senon, this huge... Uh, late 18th century complex built by Louis XVI under orders of Louis XVI um, which churned out tens of thousands of tonnes of salt um, back in the late 19th century. It was a salt factory, most of which was exported to Switzerland. Um, But it reminded me, and it's got a really interesting history in the 20th century as well, this building, but it reminded me of the Gabelle law, the much-hated Gabelle law that for centuries uh, was applicable in France, in which, uh, it kind of blows my mind this, but the monarchy had imposed a law on every citizen of France over the age of eight that they must legally purchase a certain amount, really quite a substantial amount of salt every year. Just like a tax. A, a salt tax, effectively. And the state 
uh, sorry, the monarchy, which was the state back then, had a monopoly on the production of salt. Hmm. So if you, so you would, if you actually had, a st- you know, had historically made salt or farmed salt or whatever you do to it, um, refined it, I don't know, made it, you would, you would be forced to sell your salt to the state at a reduced cost. Hmm. And then th- they would sell it on to every citizen in the country over the age of eight at an enhanced cost to generate income for themselves so that they could carry on building sumptuous palaces. And it was one of the reasons that Gabello, um, one of the contributing, you know, massive grievances that led to the French Revolution. Seriously? Yeah. Huh. It was that, you know, it was an insanely punitive and unfair law that had no basis mm. for justification. And this colossal factory was built up basically to, um, to, to, to exploit it. And um, it, it stopped producing salt in 1895 and was used for various different other things in the 20th century. Um, come 1938, it housed Republican refugees from the Spanish Civil War. And then uh, when the Germans uh, invaded in 1940 uh, and Vichy France, the French government, you know, very darkly actually used this colossal building uh, uh, first, uh, first off as a kind of camp, a detention camp of sorts for the... Um, traveling and gypsy populations in the region and for various other groupings as well and then that became an internment camp towards the end so um there are memorials there to the suffering that went on in that in that building and that was uh, just a, a bit of history i had no idea about mm. uh, that's um it's kind of interesting gonna think a lot more when, I, when we have the salt we love pete love a bit of salt do mm. use a lot of salt don't i yeah got back on that actually but yeah the salt hotel, salt and the Ibis Hotel in Lausanne. This morning, I, I had two boiled eggs. I noticed, yeah. It's quite your go-to, isn't it, for breakfast? Yeah. Well, you noticed that. Yeah. What are you saying? Are you judging that? No, just because I, I wasn't having breakfast, and I just. Do you not have breakfast? Uh, I think it's because we eat so late on the race. Yeah, we ate very late, but we ate so well. We did recorded the podcast last night. We had a fantastic. Oh yeah, oh, that was magical. What did you have, David? I had a filet, and yeah. It was just a beautiful steak. It was one amazing. of those random places on the road which yeah. didn't look absolutely much, did nothing called. Yeah. No, and yeah. you walk in and it was unbelievable. And I, I pretty much have a caprese salad every day, don't I? Well, you're a bit stuffed because you're vegetarian yeah. in France. And, uh, but even the, options, the, the but produce, the mozzarella, oh, was unbelievable. The cap- that was. And then you had a kind of mushroom. Shroganoff type Yeah, croûte de champignon et moril. Which was unbelievable. Um, yeah. But they're the perks of being on the road, aren't they? Yeah, and, so, I, had a, mm. and I had a canard, uh, what do you call it? A magret de canard. Au sauce de Moril, wild mushroom sauce. Mm. Very good. It's very good. Um, there we go. Yeah, there we go, I suppose. That's it, I guess, for today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what bad was it? No. <laughs> Ending on a bit of a down note, that's my worry. Oh, it's, it's good, it just takes people down. <laughs> I feel like we were wrapping the pod up. We can start well. it again and get happy. No, but I mean, oh, there is time no, to mention. No, 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 we didn't do the commercial. <laughs> Don't forget to send proof of purchase of a ticket oh, to yeah. the Retour de Ned to office at the roadbook.co.uk yeah. buy a ticket mm. um, and then you can enter the free prize draw for all this stuff for yeah. chapter 3 and uh, mm. surpass and go to the show notes and sign up to my daily diary which email is, yeah yeah which is um, gaining a bit of traction isn't it, it? Is, yeah yeah and um, and also just in terms of spreading the love with this pod which is still rating number 2 last time I checked um the more you that you can rate and review us, the more it secures the future of the podcast, to put it bluntly, um, and the more it shores the whole project up, and we are uh, doing our best to be as consistent as we possibly can with it. So, thank you for listening. Tune in again tomorrow.
Bye. Bye.